Episode 29. Let's talk about the Group B streptococcal infections in the neonates and the young infants. So we'll talk about the early onset that is less than 7 days, age less than 7 days and late onset that is age more than equal to 7 days. So pathogenesis of the neonatal uh, Group B streptococcal infections that is less than 7 days would be vertical transmission in utero during the vaginal delivery or reduce, reduce transmission with maternal intrapartum antibiotic prophylaxis so simply you have to remember that it is occurring because of the vertical transmission while the baby is delivered vaginally or it can also go through in in utero and uh, for the reduction of this transmission you can give mother the intrapartum antibiotic for prophylaxis okay and now let's talk about the pathogenesis of the late onset that is more than seven days so horizontal transmission from the colonized individuals can be there horizontal transmission now Clinical features of the early onset would be typically present within 24 hours. It, it might be sepsis, pneumonia or meningitis. And in the late onset, typical presentation would be 4 to 5 weeks later. And it can present with bacteremia, meningitis and focal infections such as cellulitis too. Diagnosis of both is made with the help of gram-positive cocci in, in, uh, in pair or in chain. Or, and also you can do the culture of that particular organisms from the CSF and the bodily fluids. Or we can also do the blood culture. Treatment includes the early initiation of the empiric antibiotics and also definitive therapy is done with the help of penicillin G. So that's it about the group B streptococcal infections in the young organisms now. The infant with gram-positive cocci in pair and chain on blood cultures most likely to have the infections with streptococcus agalecti also known as group B streptococci. So whenever you listen the word GBS or streptococcal uh, or group B streptococcal, then you have to think about the streptococcal A galacti. Okay. And on the histology, they simply appears as a staphylococcus only. So you can't differentiate them by the histology. GBS is the most common cause of the early onset of the neonatal septis in the first week of life. That is typically within the first 24 hours due to the vertical transmission during the passage through the colonized vaginal canal. However, GBS can also uh, cause late onset infection in young individuals more than 7 days due to horizontal transmission of the bacteria from the colonized household member. Maternal intrapartum antibiotic prophylaxis does not reduce the incidence of the late onset disease. So you have to remember that. Late onset GBS most commonly present at age 4 to 5 weeks with bacteremia, meningitis and focal infections, example cellulitis and osteomyelitis. This patient has cellulitis, adenitis, a well-described manifestations of the GBS characterized by inflammations and indurations of the face and the mandibular areas often associated with lymphadenopathies. Fever may be present and the patient typically has concomitant bacteremia. Workup includes urine or blood and CSF culture as well as the initiation of the empiric antibiotic. Growth of the streptococcus agalacti on the culture will appear as gram-positive cocci arranged in pair and short chain. And is, this is the diagnostic. Definitive treatment is intravenous penicillin G, which is also used for syphilis. So you have, you have to remember that intravenous penicillin G is used for the group B streptococci, that is agalacti. Now, Clostridium perfringens and the Cornibacterium species are the gram-positive rods that causes gangrenous wound and infections also of the respiratory system, that is the diphtheria respectively. Enterococci fecalis is a gram-positive cocci that is organized in pairs and chain. Similar to the GBS, however, enterococci fecalis is 
most much less common cause of the late onset neonatal infections than the GBS. It typically causes urinary tract infections. You have to know that. Late onset of the neonatal listeriosis can present with fever, poor feeding and bacteremia. But cellulitis does not occur in that. So since cellulitis was there in this question, you have to think about that uh, streptococci. The staphylococcus infections should be suspected in the patient with cellulitis. But staphylococcus infection, staphylococcus appears as clusters, not in pairs. So you have to remember that also. So basically, streptococcus A galactic, that is group B streptococci, are the gram-positive cocci in the pair and the pair and the chain on culture. It causes early onset neonatal sepsis and late onset young disease in the young infants. Late onset disease is most commonly presented at four to five weeks later on, so with the bacteria, meningitis, and focal infections such as cellulitis and adenitis. Now. Let's move further and talk about toxoplasma encephalitis. Symptoms of toxoplasma encephalitis would be headache, confusions, fevers and focal neurologic deficit or seizures. Diagnosis is made with the help of CD4 count in AIDS patients. CD4 count less than 100 positive for toxoplasma IgG, multiple ring enhancing brain lesion on MRI. Treatment done with the help of sulfadiazine and pyrimethamine. You have to give leucoberrin along with that to prevent the uh, folate uh, abnormalities. Okay. Antiretroviral therapy is initiated within two weeks of the treatment and prophylaxis can be done with thymethopim and sulfamethoxazole if CD4 count is less than 100. So toxoplasmosis is caused by the reactivation of the toxoplasma gundi and intracellular protozoans that lies dormant in the infected individuals and rarely re-emerges unless there are significant deficit in the cell-mediated immunity. Patient with advanced age who has CD4 count less than 100 are at greatest risk of the infections although or reactivation. Although, Toxoplasmosis may affect multiple organ example the pulmonary and the ocular. Encephalitis is the far most common manifestation. Patients with toxoplasmic encephalitis usually have developed the headache, focal neurologic deficit, mental status and fever. Laboratory studies may be normal but MRI of the brain reveals multiple ring enhancing lesions with a preference for the basal ganglia. There is no reliable test for toxoplasmic encephalitis. The diagnosis is generally made by the presence of suspicious clinical symptoms. Also, positive toxoplasma gundi IgG serology and characteristic CNS findings on the MRI. We already know what are the characteristic findings like we see during enhancing lesion. Treatment with uh, treatment is done several weeks. For several weeks, we give them the sulfadiazine and pyrimethamine along with the leucoborin to prevent the hemorrhage, hematologic side effects. Okay, and antiretroviral therapy should be initiated within. Two weeks of the toxoplasmosis treatment once the patient clears the tolerating toxoplasma therapy for those not already on the antiretroviral therapy we are talking about them okay now alvendazole is used for the treatment of neurocystic sarcosis which is associated with consumption of teniasolium that is poctaform eggs in the endemic areas such as central and south america now, neurocystic sarcosis tends to cause seizures and MRI of the brain usually reveals a mixture of enhancing and non-enhancing and calcified lesions depending upon the stage of the cyst. In the patient with advanced HIV, no history of travel and ring enhancing lesion including the basal ganglions, it is more likely to ha have the toxoplasmosis, not the neurocystic sarcosis. Now, Amphotericin B and Flucytosin used for the treatment of cryptococcal meningitis and cryptococcal meningitis patient present with fever, malaise and headache and ring enhancing lesion of MRI would be atypical for that. Now, clarithromycin and ethambutol used for the treatment of mycobacterium avium complex and mycobacterium avium complex tends to cause the gastrointestinal and pulmonary infection, not the CNS infection. 
Gensiclovir is used for the treatment of cytomegalovirus infection. Cytomegalovirus encephalitis is marked by confusions and focal neurologic deficit with evidence of multifocal micronodules on the ventricular enhancement on MRI. Ring enhancing lesions are very common. A brain biopsy should be considered only in the patient not responding to initial treatment because it is invasive and associated with high-risk complications. Toxoplasmosis is treated presumptively in patients with characteristically clinical and serologic and MRI finding. Vancomycin and ceftriolone are used empirically for bacterial meningitis. Bacterial meningitis typically present with acute onset that is less than one day of the fever headache and alternative status and also the headache will be severe headache. Knuckle rigidity may also be present and the ring enhancing lesions are uncommon. So yeah, therefore the answer was toxoplasmosis only. Now, let's talk about the viral gastroenteritis. So epidemiology. Viral gastroenteritis is because of the fecal-oral transmission. Norovirus is the most common organism amongst all the age groups and rotavirus is common organism in unvaccinated individuals also aged less than equal to 2 years. So if the patient is a child less than equal to 2 years or any individual who is unvaccinated, so he's prone to rotavirus, viral gastroenteritis and if uh, no such finding is there, then it can be norovirus. Clinical features includes emesis and watery diarrhea, plus minus fever would be there. Diagnosis is clinical only, you don't have to do anything. Treatment will be regular diet as tolerated and rehydration on oral and intravenous as needed. So norovirus is, or you can also say norovirus is the most common cause of the gastroenteritis in the United States. Very few viral particles are necessary for infections to spread via the fecal-oral route leading to the outbreaks. Example, school, cruise ships and daycare facilities. Although person-to-person -person transmission is most common, norovirus infections can also occur with ingestion of the contaminated food, example shellfish, salad and fruit. So you have to remember. If there is an outbreak case, for example, school, cruise ships or daycare facilities and also there is person-to-person -person transmission and also in in ingestion of contaminated food, shellfish, salad and fruits, think about the norovirus infections. Symptoms usually begins one to two days after the viral exposures and include the non-bloody, non-bilious emesis, watery diarrhea, abdominal pain is there. Watery diarrhea, abdominal pain and emesis are also there but it's not bloody and not bilious. Diarrhea is not inflammatory without the blood and the mucus in the stool. Fever, headache and malaise is also common. Diagnosis is generally clinical. However, the confirmatory testing detection of the norovirus in the stool may be performed in the outbreak or the atypical cases. Symptoms more than equal to 7 days. Fecal leukocytes are not seen. Okay. Symptoms are for more than equal to 7 days and diagnosis confirmed with the help of the norovirus in the stool testing. Okay. Yeah. Treatment simply is supportive with oral or intravenous rehydration therapy depending upon the severity of the symptoms. Resolution is usually within 2-3 to three days because norovirus is not killed by alcohol-based sanitizers or standard cleaning solution. Prevention includes delight hand hygiene with soap and water and cleansing of the contaminated surface with bleach. Okay, so yes, by using the um, alcohol-based sanitizers and cleaning the solutions, cleaning the standard solution, norovirus is not eliminated. For the elimination of that, you must use the hand hygiene with soap and water. Okay. Now, let's talk about the bacillus and the staphylococcus aureus. So, bacillus aureus and staph aureus causes food 
bone gastroenteritis illness why the ingestion of the toxins and vomiting is a predominant symptoms of them within 6 hours of the contaminated food so you have to look for the hours also okay rotavirus can also cause severe vomiting and watery diarrhea in unvaccinated children less than 2 years infection in adolescent and adult is typically mild or asymptomatic due to the presence of the antibody from the prior exposure or vaccination rotavirus is less likely the causative organisms for the viral gastroenteritis as compared to the normal virus okay specifically in teenage patient Shigella Sony presents with abrupt onset of high fever, abdominal cramping, and stool containing the mucus and the blood. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about the next thing, which is uh, meningococcal meningitis. Epidemiology is caused by Neisseria meningitis, most commonly seen in the young children and young adulthood. Clinical features initial are the non-specific fever, headache, vomiting, myalgias, and sore throat. Within twelve to twenty-four hours, you can also see particular purpura meningitis sites or ultimate status. Treatment includes ceftrioxone. Complications are shock, disseminated intravascular coagulation, and adrenal hemorrhage. Prevention is with the help of droplet precautions and also prophylaxis, chemoprophylaxis for the close contact. With done with the help of rifampin, ciprofloxacin, and ceftrioxone. So the patient with fever, lethargy, meningeal sign, and petechiae are, which are the findings concerning with Neisseria meningitis. Meningococcal meningitis com most commonly affects the adolescent and the young adults. But is uh, also common in pathogens in all the age group more than one year, uh, more than one month basically. Young child often have an acute onset of the fever, vomiting, and the petechial rash on the extremities. Older child may present and uh, may present or experience and headache, and also he might have a severe myalgia such as leg pains. Symptoms progress rapidly. That is twelve to twenty four hours to include a puritic. Uh, or purpuric rash and ultimate status that is confusion and lethargy. Meningeal signs such as positive Brudzinski signs are common but often absent in the patient age group less than one year. So if patient age group was less than one year then Brudzinski sign will be absent. Brudzinski signs simply means neck flexion, illicit pain and nip, uh, knee and hip flexions would occur because of the neck flexion. Okay now positive cerebrospinal fluid culture is diagnostic for that and uh, but the testing should not be delayed Delayed treatment, ceftriaxone in the patient suspected with meningococcal meningitis. Empiric antibiotics should be started, including the vancomycin coverage for the penicillin-resistant streptococcus pneumonia, most common pathogen in more than one year, month of the child. Okay, and even with appropriate uh, meningococcal meningitis is potentially fatal due to the complications such as the shock and multi-organ failure and disseminated intravascular coagulation. Okay. Enterovirus such as Coxsackie virus causes the meningitis, fever, headache, and knuckle rigidity. Symptoms typically occurs over days, not the hours. Coxsackie virus causes posterior pharyngeal, posterior pharyngeal sores and also maculopapular rashes on the palms and the soles. Meningitis in infants with group B streptococcus less than three months and listeria more than less than one month. And these are there, okay. But this uh, organism causes infections mainly in the immunocompetent patient in less than eighteen months. Hemophilus influenza meningitis present with uh, symptoms similar to the meningococcal meningitis. Hemophilus meningitis not associated with a petechial rash, so you have to leave that. Okay, and the incidence also dramatically reduced because of the vaccination. Herpes simplex virus associated with encephalitis and rarely causes meningitis beyond the neonatal period. In addition, it is associated with vesicular rashes, not the petechiae. Okay, now. So basically, meningococcal meningitis is the common cause of the bacterial meningitis in the children classically present with fever, lethargy, and knuckle rigidity, and petechiae and the purpura. Symptom progress over 12 to 24 hours, and disease is complicated by shock, multi-organ failure, disseminated intravascular coagulation, and death. Now let's talk about the infection control and isolation precaution. So, airborne infection, such as tuberculosis, the bacterial one, and the viral one are the varicella and the 
varicella and the severe acute respiratory syndrome and measles all these are transmitting airborne contact one include the multidrug resistant organisms causing MRSA and VARSA that is vancomycin resistant enterococci and the MRSA that is the methicillin resistant staph aureus enteric organisms such as clostridium difficile and e coli 157h7 and parasitic such as KBs and virus such as respiratory syncytial virus all these are transmitted via contact droplet infection bacterial includes the nizera meningitis h influenza type b and mycoplasma pneumonia and viral includes the influenza and adenovirus now Isolation precautions are widely used for infection prevention. The precaution chosen is based on the characteristics of the suspected infectious disease, including its ability to form the aerosolized respiratory particles, the size of the particle and the length of the time remain viable on the surface of the body, example fomites. When aerosolized particles are more than equal to 5 microns, considered relatively large, they cannot stay or suspended in the air for a longer time and are associated with the transmission only three to six feet of the source. Droplet precautions requires the use of the surgical mask within this range. When aerosol particle is less than five microns, they stay suspended in the air for a prolonged period of time. Such cases requires airborne precautions such as the negative pressure rooms, respiratory masks with the minimum of the 95 filtering capacity that is N95 marks to prevent the inhalation. Okay. The, the patient presentation was because of the Nizera meningitis and that is a gram-negative diplococci that can cause potential fatal meningitis characterized by the rapid progression and hemodynamic compromise. The Nizera meningitis reproduces primarily in the nasopharynx and the infection particles are readily aerosolized through the cough and respiratory drop uh, procedures such as intubations. The organism is transmitted via large respiratory particles that do not retain infectivity well on the surface outside the body. Therefore, the droplet precautions are indicated for possible nizera meningitis. These measurements are typically implemented until the patient has been treated within 24 hours of the antibiotic therapy that is ceftriaxone. Okay. Now, talk. let's talk about the key respiratory tract infection in children. So, laryngotracheobronchitis, which is croup, caused by parainfluenza virus, Presentation mainly seen in age 6 months to 3 years, barking cough, strider and hoarseness. Epiglottitis caused by H. influenza seen in unvaccinated children. Sore throat, dysphagia, drooling and tripod position is there. Bronchiolitis seen with respiratory syncytial virus. Presentation age less than 2 years and wheezing and cough would be there. So, laryngotracheal bronchitis, para-influenza virus, 6 months to 3 years, barking cough, strider, hoarseness, epiglottitis, H influenza, unvaccinated child, sore throat, dysphagia, drooling, tripod position, bronchiolitis, respiratory syncytial virus, less than 2 years, wheezing and cough. Let's talk about group. Group, that is laryngotracheal bronchitis, is a upper respiratory tract illness, most commonly caused by the para-influenza virus, typically present, with, typically present in the children, age 6 months to 3 years. The illness usually is uh, benign and is non-specific and begins from the upper respiratory tract infection such as rhinodia and congestion with subsequent development of fever, hoarseness, rider, that is high-pitched noise and also there is harsh barking seal-like cough. Okay, so the sound of the harsh barking seal-like cough would be somewhat like this. <laughs> I would play that clip for you once more. So that's the harsh barking cough, seal-like cough, okay? And it's a feature of the group only, okay? And you'll also see the strider. 
the strider worsened with agitation that is crying and excitement and is typically inspiratory due to the upper airway edema but it may be biphasic that is inspiratory or expiratory in severe cases croup is generally a clinical diagnosis and diagnosis is unclear radiographic finding reveals subglottic edema and you will also see a stipple sign on the x-ray so if you see a stipple sign that is the subglottic region is narrowed because of the edema treatment is aimed to reduce the subglottic edema therefore we give the corticosteroid that is dexamethasone which is useful for the mild cases example steroid with agitation if steroid is only there with agitation then we use the dexamethasone and we can use nebulized racemic epinephrine if severe cases that is steroid even at rest then we can use the nebulized epinephrine so you have to look carefully and then you have to answer now bacterial tracheitis and epiglottitis are rare severe upper respiratory tract infection classically caused by staphylococcus aureus or h influenza type b respectively like bacterial tracheitis is caused by staph aureus and epiglottitis is caused by h influenza type b patients typically appears ill and have acute onset of the high fever and strider will be there and significant respiratory distress will be there patient with epiglottitis often are unvaccinated and have assumed tripod position that is leaning forward with hands on the knees and neck is hyperextended so they are hyperextending the neck and they are leaning forward they are putting all their hands on the knees so this is the tripod position okay and uh, they are doing this to open the airway their upper airway this patient gradual symptoms and low grade fever and mild distress are more consistent with croup okay not with this uh, bacterial tracheitis or epiglottitis bronchiolitis is a re lower respiratory tract infections most commonly caused by respiratory syncytial virus and patient will have the fever respiratory distress wheezing but no stridor foreign body aspiration often present with choking episodes and sudden onset of the respiratory distress and stridor this patient stridor begins before he started playing with his brother and occurred in a setting of fever upper respiratory symptoms so this makes the patient unlikely laryngomalacia is caused by the collapse of the supraglottic structures during the inspirations present with chronic inspiratory stridor that begins in the neonatal period and it's worse in supine position this otherwise healthy patient with upper respiratory symptoms is consistent with croup not the laryngomalacia you have to know about the laryngomalacia collapse of the supraglottic structures during inspirations leading to chronic inspiratory stridor that begins in the neonatal period and it's worsening with the superior supine position so yeah that's it for this lecture thank you so much for listening if you have any doubts do let me know on my instagram id i will mention that in the description box thank you